Welcome to the Mindful Soul Center podcast. My name is Amy Adams, and I'm your host and guide on this journey today. Before we get started, I just have a few announcements. First, if you haven't read it yet, check out our magazine, Mindful Soul Center. You can read it on our website, themindfulsoulcenter.com. Recently, I hosted a free chakras masterclass. We learned a lot about all those energetic wheels that circulate life force through us and why they are important what they are, and the meanings associated with them, and so much more. This was a prerequisite for an upcoming series of workshops. There's a two-part workshop coming up on October 29th and November 5th. In this two-part series of workshops, you'll learn how to unblock and balance your chakras. We dig deeper into their purpose, symbolism, and assets. Then we balance and unblock the chakras through a series of exercises. Part one covers the lower chakras and then touches on the heart chakra. We then pick up again at the heart and move through the upper chakras in part two. Send any questions to amy at themindfulsoulcenter.com and be sure to include chakra workshop in the subject line or visit mindfulsoulcenter.com. VIPmembervault.com. Now let's get started. In today's episode, I interview Susan Rodway Hall. She is a yoga therapist, Thai massage therapist, and Drew yoga teacher. She specializes in women's health, focusing on perimenopause and menopause. But she didn't begin there. I'll let her tell you how she got started. Um, yeah, so originally I did all the sensible things and went to university, got a job and worked in the corporate sector for, for many years. And then I had children and it was a huge shift for me, um, partly because I wasn't actually in a full time job. I was on a contract, so I didn't actually have a job to go back to. And I I um, yeah, I found I really needed the time for me. And that's when I first started practicing yoga and uh, really helped me connect with my son, bond with my son um, and support me as a as a new mom. And yeah, then I kind of developed and thinking, OK, I'm really enjoying this and I can see the benefits and I don't have any work at the moment and I don't really feel like going back to working in an office again. So I started investigating how I could, you know, use yoga as as, as part-time work whilst I was having a family and so I originally trained in baby yoga um, postnatal yoga prenatal yoga and had all my work based around there had another child um, to fit into the equation and then started developing the adult yoga I do um, after my daughter was born I had um, developed hormonal migraines so I started taking an interest in the menstrual cycle and how that was affecting me and how my yoga practice could support me in in managing that and now and now my babies are quite bigger (laughs) and um yeah am I you know obviously I've got older my peer group has got older and realizing that there's not much out there for for perimenopausal women um in terms of education um in terms of support um and particularly holistic support yeah so yeah I'm developing and and redoing what I'm 
you know, what, what, what I think my yoga practice is, how it's evolving for me, trying to empower myself to, to have a, a more easeful um, menopause as I kind of head in that, head in that direction. Um, yeah. So I do think that that's very much needed. Um, I actually have already gone through menopause and a few years ago, I probably, even when I was going through menopause, I probably wouldn't even say that out loud because there's so much shame and uh, weirdness about women transitioning in our lives. Like even any of our big things, even with uh, having children, I mean, these are our big things. We go from like the maiden mother crone kind of whole thing. And if there is a process, but we don't have the rituals that we used to, have to have. I mean, I'm not sure that, you know, I don't know a lot about rituals historically, but I do believe that some of them existed and the way that people lived, it was different. Um, it was more communal in many ways. And uh, people, women actually had the opportunity to support one another in ways that um, now I think we're maybe coming back to that. But I feel like there was a huge disconnect from the whole uh, transition from this kind of like industrial age to all, you know, women working, which I fully support. I'm not, when I talk about this, I just want to be clear about that. I don't want it to be like, oh, we're all go, we need to go back to the olden days. No, we can be powerful, strong women. <laughs> but I think we all really desire uh, this kind of support and nourishment that we get from one another. And it's much more difficult with our scheduling and the way that the, that we're evolved in society. So um, maybe I, I would say, especially in like the US and uh, Canada, Australia, and Europe in general, I mean, I don't really know how the stress levels are for other parts of the world. But I would say this is a real common problem for women. So um, I did do some reading because I was very curious about the Drew yoga. And yeah. um, it did. Uh, the one thing that popped out in my mind was like a, uh, an energy block release. So I don't know if you could just talk about that for a moment, because I thought that was, I mean, I think this is a huge problem. Like we have all these things coming at us and we do get blocked. I don't know, maybe if you could just talk yeah. about what yoga is so we can kind of understand. I know that I don't know that it's directly related to like menopause or whatever, but I, I am curious uh, just so our audience can understand what that is. Yeah, well, Drew Yoga, in, in essence, is a, a soft, gentle, flowing vinyasa style um, of yoga. Um, a lot of emphasis on, yeah, as I say, flowing movement, coordinating the movement with the breath. There's quite a bit more repetition, particularly in the energy block release sequences, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a moment. But the, the, the lineage of it is, the lineage of it is, um, yeah, actually, actually started in North Wales, believe it or not. Like a druid. I mean, this is like the connection. No, no, it's not. It's not a druid at all. Um, there, there was a, a family who relocated, a Hindu family relocated from Kenya in the 60s to North Wales. And him and a, a community of people um, came together when they all met at university and started learning about the teachings of yoga. And these teachings are kind of handed down from parents to children or, or young adults as they were as they were at the time so there was this yoga teacher and they kind of collected collected students um, and yeah it's all based on the teachings of Gandhi and following the, uh, the teachings of the Bhavagad Gita as well and they kind of formed it into this Drew Yoga style 
um, and Drew is from Druva, um, which is the name of the North Star in Sanskrit. So it's the still point, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the still point in the sky that all the other constellations revolve around. And that's the, the whole idea, the whole premise of Drew Yoga, it's finding that still point within yourself, whether that is still stillness through movement, stillness through meditation, stillness through breath work, because, you know, life's always busy and stuff's always happening and changing. It, it is, can you, can you sit in that point of stillness when everything about you is moving? Yeah. And sometimes it moves really fast and really chaotically, and it's really hard to sit still or be still um, and centered in yourself. And sometimes it moves a little slower and that makes it, makes it easier. As you said, one of the one of the key features of Drew Yoga is, is this idea of uh, an energy block release. And uh, every Drew Yoga class that I teach has an, an energy block release sequence in it. And there are a number of them. The theory being that actually if you want your yoga to be potent and effective and therapeutic, then you actually you need to release any trapped energy in your body because then the prana is going to flow better when you do your sequences or posture work or you know or relaxation or meditation whatever it is you need to kind of unblock it and release it so in, in true yoga there's a, a lot of emphasis on having soft joints um i know different styles of yoga are have different opinions on this particularly you know, it's kind of polar opposite to kind of like a yenga um, but there's a softness in the joint because that'll allow the prana to flow more freely so particularly with the energy block release sequences some of them are more esoteric and it's all intention and the movements are really gentle some of it is more physical based um, but certainly the, the foundation energy block release sequence is all about releasing the spine and as you release the spine you get the prana flowing through the chakras or, you know releasing those releasing those points but it's also, you know, the shoulders, the hips, the knees, the ankles. It's just kind of a, a really lovely therapeutic kind of warm up, really, that grounds you and connects you and brings you to yourself. So you're kind of letting go of whatever, whatever's going on in your life. So that you're in a really optimal place for then doing your yoga practice. Right. Nice. I like that because there are so many different styles. And I, I think that's why I wanted to actually call attention to it too, because well, one out of my own personal curiosity, and so people can learn about it, but uh, there's so many styles and it gets very confusing. So people hear the word yoga and it's, it's just, it's such a catch-all for so many different things and it's just not one thing. So um, I really like this idea of purposefully um, creating some kind of flow for this energy block release. Yeah. Um, and and also, also it's, it's kind of looking at all the different layers that you could have almost not quite simultaneously, but you know, some styles of yoga is very physical based mm -hmm. and that's great. And then the energy work will be happening and the energy shifts will be happening because just because of taking the physical form of whatever you're doing. But with Drew Yoga, we're consciously looking at the physical movement, the breath work and the intention behind that. And okay, as a beginner, you might not be able to get all of those. It might just be, you know, challenging enough to get your body in the right position or some approximation of the right position. But as you move forwards and you get more familiar with the movement, then you, you know, you incorporate the breath and that can be really lovely and calming. And then the intention behind it, um, you know, what are you hoping to achieve? You know, something like mountain pose, you can you stand in mountain, you can feel strong, you could feel still, um, you could feel empowered, you could feel earthed and grounded with the feet in the, in the, you know, in the connection with the earth, or you could feel lifted and spacious if you focused on the crown of the head and that, you know, as being the summit of the mountain. So there's, there's different aspects you can put to that. And that works through on, on any, of your, any of the yoga that I do. That, I like that idea because, yeah, I always try to embody, I always look at the word of what a pose is 
And I mean, like an easy example too, like a mountain pose is a beautiful example, but like even tree pose too, I really try to get into that whole idea of being a tree and being rooted in the earth. And I mean, I kind of joke about it sometimes because even when I'm teaching and I, you know, sometimes might fall over a little or something, I just think, okay, well, the wind's blowing me today, you know, but I really love this aspect of, of embodiment of what something is and the different things that relate to it. It's not just one little thing. I love the idea of the layers because that's with yoga too. I think people sometimes they approach it as just okay, a physical practice, but then there is you just go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's just the endless uh, teachings too, I think for and and I love the idea of yoga as a way to come back to yourself and to be still and to be present in the world without all of the chaos. Conversation moves into a topic about women and the various changes in their life, especially relating to hormones from maiden, mother to crone. In general, I don't really feel like, and I hope this is changing. We do see small changes here and there, but they're not always supported during pregnancy, having children, and even kind of get left behind. And they're uh, like, like you said, even the contract work, it's something that, you know, these kind of protections for women, they're not necessarily nurtured and taken care of because there's ways to get around uh, having to deal with maternity leave and, and supporting women in these things. But we also do take on the bulk of the work of uh, supporting elderly parents and, um, you know, the bigger familial uh, re- traditional responsibilities. And again, I want to be clear, I'm not saying that men don't do this, but typically we're still in this kind of um, structure where it is more difficult for women. And on top of it, they're managing their professional lives. So, but I think with having children, and uh, obviously it'd be that it disturbs a lot of people's lives <laughs> for various reasons, especially the first one. And while some people maybe can do with more ease than others, but I think in general, I think the children and also um, obviously puberty is our, our problem for smaller people, but we're not, I don't even know if yoga would help them. <laughs> so. And I know that also with menopause, it can be very messy for some people. For me, it was messy. For other people, I know that, it, you know, they just go through it and it's no problem or they just have minor symptoms. And there's also so many different symptoms. So I think it's interesting that like um, this has, you know, the motherhood part of it has changed, but then you've kind of stuck with it to go into the perimenopause and the uh, uh, menopause, taking care of people with that. There's, I know that you're a menopause yoga accredited teacher. I've seen that you've uh, studied actually how to help women with this. And I was wondering with their professional lives not being supported, when they come to yoga and they're, or not just yoga, but I know that you have like a program that you're working on. How, what is like some, some of the things that people would learn though, through something like that? Like what, what are the things besides the general asanas or poses that uh, would be taught? Um, A lot of it is a sense of community. You know, uh, I think women particularly really respond to, to talking and to having an environment where they can share, should they feel 
able to share. Um, so there's that kind of community of like-minded people all going through the same thing and kind of normalizing it a little bit that, you know, everybody's got something going on. And that works just as well with pregnancy and, you know, with being a new mom as it does at this this age and stage of life as well. So typically in a workshop, not so much in a, in a yoga class, but if I was running a yoga workshop, yeah, we would have some kind of circle time for women to actually express how they're feeling and just to be heard. Actually, you don't necessarily need to fix people. This is what I've kind of discovered. There's a power in just being heard yes, and listened to, which is really, really quite potent. The, I mean, there's such, such a huge range of symptoms um, and experiences. And it's so, so much dependent on the, the individual woman, you know, how their menstrual cycle is, how their hormone levels have been and how they've lived their life and actually related to their menstrual cycle and their experiences of being a woman up to that point that that influences how they could feel, whether that comes out as a physical symptom, whether that comes out as a more mental or emotional symptom. So it's certainly when I work one-to-one with somebody, it's, it's very much finding out where where is the imbalance where is the help where is where is this collection of symptoms because it usually is where is that collection of symptoms leading and what does that particular woman need so for instance yeah if if, if it manifests itself as too much heat in the body that could show um sorry energetic heat and that could show as having hot flushes of having night sweats there'd be physical symptoms or it could show as um, being irritable being angry having men rage you know actually a term for it now isn't there it's not just rage it's men rage it's, it's specific um so it could take on a physical form or a mental or emotional form kind of just having that safe environment to experience things from and how you would work with that would be different so you could use cooling practices to cool the systemic energy in the body um and that might be slower movements or you might actually need to burn off that heat in a controlled way so certainly with that with that example you could go either way on that one um it might be you, you need to cool as much as possible you know have the advice to have natural fibers not drink spicy foods so it kind of brings in lifestyle choices as well or you have that choice of maybe to to embrace the heat and accept that you're going to get hot and sweaty and do it in a controlled way so some women will find that going to a hot yoga class will actually really work for them because it's perfectly acceptable to sweat a lot it's going to happen there's a pretty poor hot yoga class if you're not at the end of it isn't it and being able to do that in a controlled way let it all out then that means they have less hot hot flushes during the day or the week that follows but everything everything needs to be unique to the woman so it's, it's kind of, yeah, these techniques could help for these kind of conditions and these kind of experiences, but you need to play around with them and see what works for you. In general, with a menopause yoga class, you're looking at relaxation as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's creating that, that field of acceptance for what you're going through. It's creating yeah, a safe space just to be, just to be you mm-hmm. and to accept whatever happens, comes up in that, in that space and to, to let go of stress because I mean, health-wise, I think just about any health conditions made worse by stress, but particularly around menopause. So the more other stuff you've got going on, the more likely you are, I think, to actually have symptoms. Um, But some of that stuff is within your control. Some of that stuff is without your control. You know, if you've got a big demanding job and you just want to carry on as normal, then that's going to create potentially create problems you know if you're caring for an elderly relative or um if you've suffered loss and, and um, going through grief then obviously that's that's a form of stress on the body as well so yeah. it's the same you know. and, and uh, take care of things yeah i think that's i think getting permission to even doing that too like you said like a high pressure career or something like that if somebody else can even say 
you know, because maybe their family might say, oh, you need to chill out or whatever, but they might get angry at their family for saying that. Whereas if they're working with other women and people can say, you're normal, you're okay. This is our life and, you know, you'll get through it and have that space for them and giving them tools. That's, I think that's really uh, beneficial. I mean, my own mom, she had uh, menopause when I was a teenager. And of course, as a teenager, I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to her problems. <laughs> so <laughs> she died many years ago. And then when I went through menopause, she was gone and I didn't really have somebody to even ask questions of. I mean, of course there's books and things like that. I think it's really great to have these resources now and it's becoming more in the public consciousness, I think, and less shame about it. Because I know that Somebody said something to me once about it. And really, it's it was the truth. Yes, you know, I'm going through menopause. They asked me something about it. And I felt so enraged by it and so bothered by it. Like, how dare they talk about menopause with me? You know, like, I just, I felt like it's inappropriate or whatever. I just, I mean, I got over it in a few minutes. But I think, um but I still remember it. I remember that moment because I was like, I had to come to some kind of acceptance that my body was changing and whether I liked it or not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there was no other way to um, do it. So I really love this idea of having uh, the community for this. Is there something that you could maybe like give a technique to uh, the audience, whether it's maybe something like a breath thing or maybe describe something that they could do if they find themselves in a, you know, they're kind of going through something and uh, to kind of bring them back to the center. Is there something, I know that it's, we're not visual, so we can't have a demonstration necessarily, <laughs> but is there something maybe verbally that you could just, uh, mention as something somebody might be able to do to kind of bring themselves back to themselves for a moment? Yeah, I mean, it, it very much depends upon where you're at. Um, I, I had to, uh, I had a, a routine appointment with the nurse the other day, and uh, I haven't been in the doctors for ages anyway, and I haven't been in since lockdown started. So uh, I had to ring on my mobile phone uh, a special number so they would come and open the door to let me in then I had to sit in this waiting room that had you know plastic wrappers on half of the chairs and signs saying don't sit on these chairs and there was plastic you know plastic sheets up and things to, you know, dividers and I was sat there and I could feel myself getting stressed mm. I could feel the adrenaline flowing in and I was thinking you know there's no need for me to feel stressed I'm perfectly safe everything's fine but I could feel myself reacting and eventually the nurse came out and said, I'm just going to be a few more minutes longer. And I thought, right, I'm going to sit and breathe because <laughs> I can feel I'm getting wound up and there's no need for it. I'm going to sit and breathe. But because I already was agitated, it did help to a certain degree because I would have just sat there getting more agitated. But I'm aware it wasn't as effective as if I've been at home. So it's kind of choosing your point. Yes, I can. I'll, I'll, I'll guide you through um, a, breathing, a breathing technique now, something very simple. But if you're using it, if you're at that point of kind of crisis or even going towards that point of crisis, you might find it really hard to actually access it. And you might need to either practice it more often because daily, daily practice is great, as I'm sure you know, being a yoga teacher, you know, you get most benefits if you actually practice things on a regular basis so that it becomes second nature so that when you use it, it's, it's much easier to kind of get in that groove. But it also can also help perhaps afterwards. 
um actually you know if you've been been stressed or been agitated or been worried as you feel yourself start to calm down um and for some people that can take quite a long time for the adrenaline levels to come you know turn back to normal you could use it to kind of accelerate that normalizing um does that make sense yes it totally is and actually i i'm so glad that you mentioned that because one about the repetition because i mean in anything like an athlete or in anything we do whether it's uh creating art or music we practice and this is something like doing it daily there are parts of it that it's going to take a while but it will become second nature and i think that's the beauty of it so thank you for mentioning that about yeah. always trying to tell people you really should practice even if it's 15 minutes a day you know but of course they're like i'm busy or whatever so <laughs> But I really would like, I mean, because you can't, it's hard to even tell somebody in words that, you know, like you can say it, but unless they actually experience it and feel it and feel the benefits of it. So that's why I like to have challenges and things too, to get people to do the repetition for a few days. And then, then all of a sudden they realize, Oh, wait, this feels good. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, it is, it is getting it to that second nature level. And it surprised me that, you know, I couldn't do that. I've been teaching yoga and practicing yoga for what, 13, 14, 15 years. And I couldn't get myself to that place. Um, you know, two days ago, and I, I, you know, using techniques that I use regularly. So, if that's me, I mean, it helped, and it was, you know, but it was, I think, it was a kind of a marginal help. I think that's also another great point, though. Like, we're all just humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> experience so and there are going to be times in crisis moments or whatever where you're going to get to that thing and but sometimes like we're not rational all the time either <laughs> so you know yeah. covid has created this environment um that is unexpected too so i that's why i feel like these tools are especially important now because what that maybe you feel like you couldn't have even come back to yourself immediately, but you had the awareness to do the breath. And then um, maybe if that happened 15 years ago, that wouldn't have even been something. It could have been a full-blown uh, panic attack or something, you know? So I feel like, you know, we're always evolving and changing. So, and I love, I mean, one of the things too is that a lot of people look to yoga teachers or to other teachers and they put, which I think is a beautiful thing because you want to trust your teacher, right? But there's also um, really, we're just here to guide you to be so that you yourself are the person that is having the experience and learning. So anyway, sorry, a little tirade over there, but on that but. <laughs> But I just love because I think those things are so important. Like we're everybody's human, even the most, you know, famous person that we put on a pedestal, you know, that like I just we're all the same in so many ways. So anyway, so back to your breathing techniques. <laughs> yeah. So my role as a teacher is to empower people towards self-awareness. Um, this is what I feel was happening a couple of days ago. Yes, I was self-aware enough to know that I was getting stressed and could feel that as a physical thing. Self-awareness, aware enough to actually try and do something about it. Also self-aware enough to know that it perhaps wasn't working as optimally as I would like and to have the self-compassion just to sit with that, knowing that I was just taking a, a small step, um, which would be helpful um, rather than expecting you know, a perfect technique and you know, calm to descend within seconds um yeah anyway so yes technique <laughs>
Now we're going to take a short break before Susan guides us in a breathing technique. The Mindful Soul Center podcast was created for the mindful souls who are on a personal evolutionary journey. It explores a variety of topics including health and wellness, yoga, healing, art, journaling, self-esteem, personal development, energy healing, social justice issues, and more. Search the Mindful Soul Center. Their goal is to offer you the tools and resources you can use. So if you want to vibrate higher, engage in discussion, be inspired, read and listen and share stories about life on Earth and get the support and help you need to support you in your personal evolution, then go check out the Mindful Soul Center podcast. Many episodes up for you to listen to already and make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases. That's the Mindful Soul Center podcast. Go listen, download and subscribe today. You can also connect on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at The Mindful Soul Center and follow on Twitter at Mindful Soul CTR. We have this whole thing. You know, your breath is your most available tool. Um, and when you work with your breathing, you can naturally influence your heart rate um, so that if you are agitated, if you work with your breath, you will bring the heart rate down and so calm the body and are able to get that relaxation response um, a little bit more active in the body, which is usually what we need. Um, so this is, this is just a, a very simple technique, certainly for using it perimenopausally and, hang on, did I say that right? Perimenopausally and menopausally, you can think about whatever symptom you have or however you would like to use it. So if you're feeling agitated, you might like to invite calm. If you're feeling angry, or you might like to invite peace or forgiveness, even if you're feeling, you know, got aching joints, then you might like to release, release that pain and let go of it. Um, so you can kind of tune in and give yourself what you need with what I'm going to describe. Okay. So, yes, with breathing, you could do this standing up, although you might want to do it sitting down, probably preferable to do it sitting down um, if you're sitting. Sure, you're welcome to sit on the floor if you're feeling super yogic, but sitting on a chair is also equally good. Make sure you've got your feet connected with the floor so that the feet are anchored and grounded, you know, connected to the earth. You're allowing the spine to be tall and lifted so that you're not slouching at all. And this enables the, the lungs to have the space to actually breathe a little deeper. And then, um, yeah, if it's comfortable, you close your eyes or maybe just lower your gaze. Depends where you were. I mean, you could do this on a on a train or sitting on a park bench um, where you might like to have a little bit more kind of peripheral awareness. And then tune into your breathing. So you just notice the in-breath. You notice the out-breath. You're just following that breath, inviting your mental awareness to, to stay focused on that breath, that in-breath flowing in, that out-breath flowing out. And taking as long as it takes to allow that process to be natural and to be smooth. With breathing techniques, you want the breath to feel super comfortable, super easy. No strain at all. And then inviting the, the in-breath and the out-breath to be about the same length. Breathing in, breathing in, breathing out, breathing out. Breathing in, breathing in, breathing out, breathing out. But obviously doing so at a speed that feels right for you. And you may find as you focus on your breath that um, your breathing naturally starts to deepen. 
and you can allow that to happen. And then when you feel ready to, you might like to invite the out-breath to become a little bit longer than the in-breath. So you're breathing in, breathing in, breathing out, breathing out, breathing out. And as you make that out-breath just a little bit longer than the in-breath, you could allow yourself to release, to let go of what no longer serves you, whether that is excess heat, whether that is mental unrest, whether it is irritation or aches and pains. You just let it slowly slip out and away, just like the breath. And you can extend that process for however long you can either maintain focus or however long you feel you need to let go of what you need to let go of, because sometimes there might be a resistance. Right. Well, thank you for teaching everyone how to do that, because I think this is a beautiful way to, that is so true. I mean, we forget, and actually that's the first thing that happens when we get stressed is often we, our breath is very shallow. So, um, and our body really needs that oxygen to uh, function and it does create the calm. So, and our heart rate too, the connection of the breath to the heart. I mean, I think we forget about all these things, especially when we're stressed, because who wants to think of anything? We're like, ah, oh, everything's going wrong. So, so thank you for sharing that. So I know that you also have other things in your uh, toolkit, like you do Thai massage and then even Indian head massage. So I'm just curious about the Thai massage because I've personally, I've had shiatsu massage and I've had, uh, you know, deep tissue massage. And I know a little bit about massage, but I've never experienced Thai massage. And um, I'm wondering what is it about Thai massage that, is there something about it that makes it uh, unique from the other ones? Or is it more like kind of shiatsu? It's, it's a little bit like shiatsu in the fact that you do it fully clothed, lying on a futon, and you get manipulated into positions. Certainly with the Thai yoga massage that I do, it's partly um, like assisted yoga postures. So you might, I might move a client into kind of like the tree pose or in, in a lying down position. It's partly energy work. And so you actually massage the energy lines in the body. Um, obviously, in yoga, we call those nadis. In Thai yoga massage, they're called sen lines. And obviously, in, in traditional Chinese medicine, that's more meridians. But that same kind of thing features, it, I believe, in shiatsu as well. So that, you, you know, you can be massaging the feet and it'll affect a different part in the body. So you're bringing out, a, you know, an, an overall wellness. So there is scope to stretch if that's what people need, if it's if something's affecting them on a physical level and they need to actually release tension from a joint. Um, but there is scope actually to work work more energetically you know a little bit like you were doing reiki i suppose you know you can use the hands to direct the energy and free the energy but you're also using movement as well which obviously reiki reiki doesn't do right right so and what about indian head massage now what is that actually i'm not really i mean because i know that there's like um i forget what they call it uh on the opposite part of the body on the feet uh i know that there are people that do like a kind of pressure points on the reflexology feet. yeah that's what it's called um, is the head massage kind of similar where you're thinking about um, something like that or no? I, I know. No. <laughs> no, it might be possible to. I'm sure there probably are complementary therapies out there that have kind of mapped the, mapped the skull or whatever of different different bits. Um, but certainly the way I do it is more, you know, it's a hands-on potentially with oil as well, but it depends on the clients, but we actually do the shoulders, the neck, the face, the head. And yeah, because we've got, 
all those lovely cranial nerves coming through the jaw. And, you know, we do a lot of talking. We do a lot of eating um, using the jaw muscles. It can be quite a common place to hold tension. And it's a very easy place to actually be able to relax, to bring, you know, to get that relaxation response more active again. It depends, depends on people, but um, energetically, if we're, if we're carrying a burden, we feel that through tension in our shoulders. And it doesn't have to be like a big heavy rucksack burden. We're talking, you know, talking emotional burden. You know, you, can, you know, you feel that through the neck and the shoulders and it's common to feel tension through the neck and the shoulders. So actually consciously just relaxing that part and easing that part can have huge therapeutic benefits. You know, you know we're actually freeing up the throat chakra. As I say, freeing up the jaw and releasing tension and energy from the head. I know when I work with clients, sometimes you can actually feel it. You know, people's heads are because they've just got so much going on in them. So in that case, you know, Indian head massage is actually really good because it just it releases that, gives it an outlet. Obviously, you know, it's, it's stu- like the shoulders too. I mean, and or it I wasn't even because I just think head massage. I just think you know somebody's rubbing your head. Like no, we we do. Um, when I do it, I kind of blend a bit of Thai yoga massage with it as well. So I, I'll go down the arms and into the hands to help help with that relaxation response. And we move into the top of the back, the shoulder blades, so the, the shoulders, the neck, the, the face and the head. Yeah. We don't actually touch our heads very much. Um, but in, in yoga, there's there's a whole load of whole load of points. You know, have the bindu point at the back, which is has a, a strong kind of spiritual spiritual connection. So you know, since I've been doing Indian head, I know and I wash my hair differently. I make sure I get my you know my fingertips in, and I give my head a a head massage whilst I'm whilst I'm having a shower and washing my hair. I mean, even people who go to the hairdresser or have some kind of treatment, you know, they love getting their hair washed by someone. Mm. Because they're doing that, you know, thing that we don't even do for ourselves. So, yeah. And I'm actually, um, it's very interesting about the jaw too, because I think we forget that we hold tension here too. I mean, because I know even while I'm doing some yoga poses, and it's funny because somebody will say to me, oh, well, you said uh, relax your jaw during that pose. And, you know, it's amazing like that you realize that um, other people have the same tension or whatever. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, because I'm usually going through whatever's happening a lot of times in my body so I remember to tell people okay relax your jaw relax your arm you know relax a specific muscle or something yeah I think uh and even just bringing the awareness to that so and of course that is like a having like a huge treat having any kind of massage and somebody caring for you and uh releasing that kind of tension that's uh, awesome so I, I actually I didn't even really think about that because I don't really I haven't seen that very frequently offered I mean I know that it exists I thought that's very interesting interesting so what is a resource that you think the listeners could benefit from that maybe it could be anything a quote a, a person a book um, something that you would like to share with the audience um yeah so there's a, a fantastic yoga teacher and yoga therapist and trainer uh, in the UK called Uma Dinsmore-Tolley. And she has written this uh, amazing book about women's yoga and how you can use yoga at each stage of a, of a woman's life, um, going from puberty all the way to, you know, very old age. The techniques and practices she's got in there are phenomenal. Um, she has a website with it called yeah, uk, um, And within there, there's a big resources section 
and with downloadable relaxations or yoga nidras, which are great. So I'm, I'm big into relaxation and actually, you know, consciously relaxing the body as a way of letting go of all the busyness and the doing, um, let alone any stress that you might have going on in your life. Um, is a way of kind of recalibrating the body systems. And she's got some beautiful ones in there for different ages and stages of women's life. So there was is one in there for perimenopause, one in there for menopause and postmenopause. But it's, yeah. Actually, thank you for sharing that with us. I will put, so just so the listeners know, I'm going to put all of the links, everything that we've talked about, how you can get in touch with Susan and all of the different things that she does. So we'll have that in the show notes and in the description uh, in the podcast. So you'll find that there. Now, I do want to ask you, you are... Uh, collaborating with somebody for a kind of holistic uh, program that's coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about the happy hormone plan? I think that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, the really, the really happy hormone plan, because that's what we want to have a really happy hormone. So yes, we've got on the 2nd of November, we're running a, a four week course together. My, my friend and colleague is a is a nutritionist um, and obviously I'm using my yoga therapy skills as to how you can actually bring about hormonal balance in a more natural way so obviously we're looking at diet we'll be looking at lifestyle um, there'll be a toolkit of yoga techniques to use whether that be movement whether that be meditation or breath work or relaxation get a bit of a theme coming on here relaxation <laughs> is a key <laughs> um, and yeah so you can really kind of empower yourself to to know what to actually do you know a lot of the time we might we might recognize that our hormones are out of balance but actually not know what to do or not feel supported in, in knowing what to do best because there's a lot of conflicting information out there so we're, yeah, we're putting this package package together so there'll be online online tutorials and videos there'll be some live content there'll be the facebook group to support everybody with any any questions there'll be q a q a sessions um there'll be a dietary sheet to try for the four weeks as well great i will also put information on how you can learn more about that and get in touch with susan about that as well so i wanted to also ask you one more question about the moon because this is something that some people follow and some people don't and like women's cycles are often associated with the moon. And I know that some people, you know, they have their uh, cycle on the full moon or they have it on the new moon and some people are trying to adjust themselves to it. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that? And like, what if you feel like that's beneficial or if that's something that's not in the realm of your kind of practice or? <laughs> well, I've, <laughs> I've done a lot of work myself looking at this. And my, both my parents are scientists. Um, they've got a scientific background. I'm brought up in a household which is very logical, very scientific. And so I've come to the whole of my yoga practice with a little bit of scepticism of, to, I don't really get this energy stuff. How does it all work? And the thought that the moon could influence us as individuals, it's like, really? But <laughs> it's been my, my journey, my experience. Actually, it does. So, I mean, I suppose one way is that, yes, the moon the moon full moon or a new moon um has different energy it has a different um, energetic pull um so you know the theory is that you know we're 70 percent water so therefore that moon's gravitational pull would affect us i mean i know the counter argument for that is well you know compared to the oceans we're not really very much water to have have an effect but you know you make your own your own decision um but i yeah i mean to get actually in sync with the moon cycles um requires you to have a a menstrual cycle that is 28 and a quarter days because that's what the moon takes and you know most women don't or you know there's a, there's a variation I've never been on that so I'm always sometimes I'm in sync with the moon sometimes I'm out of sync with the moon 
but I feel I can tell the difference when I'm ovulating at a full moon and menstruating at a new moon feels quite different from when it's the other way around. So yeah, there, there is something there. And if you look in nature, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of the reproductive stuff happens around a full moon, whether it's plants, algae, whether it's animals, it's, it's all there. And relating it to perimenopause and menopause, it can be a way that if you've been quite in sync with your cycle and are quite aware of your menstrual cycle, it's a way of actually managing having irregular periods or not having a cycle at all, that you could attune yourself to the way the moon is. There's a, there's a lovely book by Alexandra Pope um, called Wild Power. And this talks about menstrual cycle awareness and that actually you have different energy levels. So you think about it with a, with a new moon, when you just get that crescent, you've got that kind of emerging lunar energy, just as you would do if you were finishing your, your period and you kind of start to re-engage with the world again. As you come to the full moon, there's, there's lots of potential energy there. And if that's linking to, you know, when you're ovulating, then you have typically at that stage, you would have lots of energy usually you know you can burn the candle at both ends and feel okay about it and then as the moon starts to to wane you know your energy levels can kind of just tail off a little bit um and you head head towards a quieter spell um as you head towards that premenstrual time and then you have kind of the new moon phase is when you're resting and having your you know having your having your period so they kind of all all fits but to say doing that, perhaps if you're not menstruating, you can still connect to those energies that kind of, OK, the new moon, I'm going to plant plant seeds of what I might like to accomplish or plant plant ideas of what your intentions might be. Then you can watch them nurture, maybe have the opportunity to bring them to, to blossom at, around the new moon and then harvest whatever you've done Great. as you go back to that new moon phase again. Is that I making sense? does and well actually one of the things that i had to come to on my own because i didn't have a perimenopausal or menopausal uh yoga teacher to help me on my journey at that time actually it's part of the reason why i got back into yoga was uh, my whole journey of not feeling well but i do go through a cycle even though i don't have a actual period and so i think some women may not even know that like i didn't know that that would still be it would be in my awareness so to speak that I didn't even because my body still does even though I'm not having the whole full-on flushing out so um I am still have feel bloated I still even get hungry um because I know for me like I some people have obviously different symptoms but those were mine where I would get very hungry when I would first get my um period and just for a day I felt like I could eat everything on the planet and <laughs> then I would calm down <laughs> but I still go through I mean I, I don't feel like I want to eat quite the entire planet now on that but I still do have this cycle where I feel bloated and just all these things too so there are still like even though you're not having some of the physical aspects of it, you're still do you're still connected. We're all connected to nature. And I think we do forget about that sometimes. So I just wanted to share yeah. something that I didn't even realize I would have. I just thought it was going to like end. And then that was going to be it. It's going to be like flatline or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's still, I suppose those tides, isn't it? That you have, you have uh, a more energizing energy, that kind of lifts you and builds you and where you're able to do more but that has to be balanced just like the yin and the yang with the the quieter more self-reflective more drawing in energy as well and you, you need the both yeah 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today because I know you're very busy with children and teaching women and teaching yoga. And I really do appreciate it. And I'm sure that everyone here will have a real benefit from uh, listening today. And uh, can you just share your website before we close off? Yeah, sure. It's um, yogatherapystockport.co.uk. Thank you very much for having me, Amy. I'm so glad that Susan decided to have this conversation with me today. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Music in this podcast includes Cast of Pot by Doug Maxwell and God Fury by Anno Domini Beats. Until next time, namaste.